from the birthplace of radio's greatest era, live from New York, it's Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Wait, who? Kevin McCullough, let me start with you. Huh? The big dog, Kevin McCullough. Who? And Kevin McCullough. Uh, no. Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. Kevin McCullough. Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. Watch and CEO of Extreme Media. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hour number two underway. Thank you for being here and thank you for uh, joining us throughout this year. Um, And thank you to our partners who make all of this happen. Um, It's our joy to be. in partnership with more than 300 radio outlets uh, coast to coast and uh, not one but two television networks that uh, make room for us on their weekends and uh, we, we've got some some fairly big changes that are coming along I'm very excited about uh, what the show is going to be in just a few weeks um, can't tell you much more about it right now but uh, we, we've we've got some uh, some fun things ahead but I want to say thank you to biz TV uh, because over the air in 66 markets and in millions and millions of households um, we uh, are we come to you via that that vehicle and then the Salem News Channel our newest uh, affiliate network um, putting us on every OTT device uh, on planet Earth Roku Apple TV Amazon Prime you can get us on any of those devices uh, because of the Salem News Channel and I just want to say thank you uh, to our radio and television partners because without you we wouldn't be able to do the very important work that we do which is to tell you things that you do not hear anywhere else, like Rebecca Koffler last hour talking about um, Putin's future plans for more prisoner swaps. Now, that's a that's a headline exclusive that we had here, and um, glad to be able to do that. Coming up this hour, we've got some great stuff. Uh, KT McFarland is going to be with us. She's going to weigh in on the on the Elon Musk. Um, scenario chapter three of the twitter files has just been released and what uh reporter matt taibi is uh releasing is even more jaw-dropping than the first two uh, bits that he has a little bit later on bethany mandel is going to discuss uh the abortion misinformation i guess is the way you would put it um lies that are being told about abortion access uh to women and in some instances to doctors are actually causing more health damage than what the Dobbs decision has done because the Dobbs decision hasn't caused any health problems for any woman. But um, Democrats are telling their female constituencies that it has. Uh, so we'll we'll get into that a little bit. And then Kelsey Bowler with uh, a heartbreaking story uh, that I, I, I don't think you want to miss. You know, public educators are still coming for your kids. And it's good that we have people like Kelsey telling the truth about it. Uh, But that's all coming up on the Ladies' Lounge uh, tonight. And the Piano Guys will be back in Hour 2 with uh, another bit of Christmas cheer for you. I hope that you'll be with us uh, through the rest of the hour. Now, in the remainder of this segment, um, I've got to just be real straightforward with you, friends. Back in February, we started a journey to try to rescue 192 um, female slaves from northern Sudan. These are women that were taken as spoils of war when the uh, world powers that were in control came together to, to stop the Sudan civil war. Uh, about 180,000 slaves were left in captivity. Um, 
the world governments didn't do anything to settle that debt or that problem. Uh, but through private efforts, Christian Solidarity International for the last 15 years has helped release uh, more than 140,000 of those. And we believe that there are somewhere between 35 and 40,000 left uh, that still need our help. And that's why over the last uh, three years, four years, five years, we've seen, uh, your, due to your efforts, uh, more than uh, 2,000 slaves be uh, liberated. Uh, here at Christmas time is a, a big part of where that happens. Um, and, and I want to show you a picture of what I'm talking about here. Let me put this on the screen. Um, this beautiful soul, her name is uh, Ahok, A-H-O-K, I believe is how you spell it. And you'd never know it from the smile that she has on her face. Uh, but she, when this picture was taken, had just completed her 24th year in slavery captivity as a human slave in Sudan, northern Sudan. Um, for the, what does that mean? That means for the past 24 years, she was beaten. She was verbally abused daily, cursed at. She was told that she was less than human. This is, this is how they, they treated her. Uh, there's a word that the Sudanese use that uh, indicates that you are lower than a dog. We're not allowed to use this word on American uh, broadcast because it's so vulgar. She was repeatedly raped and she was sexually abused for, for the two decades plus that she was there. Sometimes on almost a daily basis. Now, you understand all of that and yet you can see in these pictures a smile that she has on her face. Um, that was her life for 24 years. Abuse, violence, uh, sexual violation, uh, continual uh, inhumane treatment. And that was her life for those 24 years until this last July. What happened in July? She was liberated. She was liberated by someone just like you. Someone that cared, someone that gave a gift of $250, and someone who said, you don't have to, you don't have to live like that anymore. This, th these, these smiles, the, the smiles on the faces of the slaves that are liberated, th this is the reason why I'm so passionate about doing this each year. Because that smile only comes when they have been liberated. And when it comes, the joy that comes with it is astounding. So friend, I, I, I just want to make an honest plea with you tonight. We, we are in a race against time. Uh, it's my belief that we are just under 60 slaves left uh, to get all 192 out of the names that we had at the start of the year. Some of you helped liberate some of them throughout the year. And Ahok was one of them that you liberated in July. Someone just like yourself said, I'm not gonna let her stay in that situation any longer and uh, did something about it. Um, we're in a race against time. The year end is coming quickly. We wanna make sure that we get all 192 out. But these, these 59, 58, however many are left, this is really concerning because we are we are very short on the number of days that we have to do this 
And that's why, friend, if, if you could do a large gift uh, tonight, if you could do a slave a month for the next year, or if you could do um, a one-time gift of 10 slaves, $2,500, uh, if you could do a, a gift that would help get 40 slaves out of $10,000, um, we would we would we would just be so grateful. And beyond what we that work with Christian Solidarity International would be, those 40 women would be incredibly grateful. Your gift is 100% tax deductible, and I have uh, I have already mentioned this, but if you are uh, of means to do that, uh, to do a $10,000 gift tonight. Um, I would like to fly you to New York. I would like to treat you to dinner. Um, maybe you could even see a, a taping of the show or where we do uh, some of the work. But I would, I would love to say thank you in a tangible way if you were able to do uh, a gift tonight that would touch not just the life of one slave, not just one more a hoax, but uh, 40 of them. And if you can't do anywhere near that, friends, if we just had 58 people that went this hour and said, I want to call and I want to liberate a life, um, go right now. 888-342-1010 is the number. 888-342-1010. If you want to research more information, you can go to bringherhome.org. That's a website that we've got set up. You can also give a gift right there. It's very simple bringherhome.org but if you if you would like to uh, make a tangible gift tonight of saving a life there's never been a more important time to do it these 192 women were identified and we know where they are and we know exactly their circumstance because the retrievers that are part of the slave liberation program have been working on their cases for long longer than what we've been telling you about this year I mean a hoke was in captivity for 24 years she is in captivity no more tonight because someone just like you picked up a phone and dialed 888-342-1010 and promised her she never has to go back to that uh, situation again so i am very very hopeful and desirous that we will be able to uh, hit this goal before the end of the year but we can't if we if we let one second go by and those of us that know that we should be doing something about it, uh, choose not to do anything about it at all. And that's why I need you to go to the phone. 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010, or bringherhome.org is the uh, the website. 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. $250 or any multiple will liberate slaves tonight. So go right now, 888-342-1010. now, from New York, back to Radio Night Live, here's Kevin McCullough. All right, I, I just got to point this out. Yesterday, and I think it was kind of, I don't know, uh, co coincidence, very interesting timing. I had written about Elon Musk over the weekend, and then yesterday, Time Magazine reveals its top six persons that they are considering for person of the year, and I don't think there's any there's there's not even an ounce of doubt in my head of the six that they have on that list, which are Liz Cheney, Ron DeSantis, Xi Jinping, um, a couple of others. I don't remember all of them. And then Elon Musk. 
uh, is is it in fact is he in fact person of the year worthy? Well, I would argue that given the topsy turvy nature of what he has done to the entire discussion of national security, government uh, interference in elections, and so forth, that there's no one even close in the running. But let me find out what Katie McFarland thinks because uh, she was actually on the receiving end of some of the maltreatment that Twitter and others were dishing out in the last couple of election cycles. KT, always good to have you back with us. Um, I'll ask you your opinion on the person of the year idea in a second. But first, what do you make of what Elon's done uh, with the Twitter files and his promise to even reveal more transparently the conversations and goings-ons that were happening at Twitter before he made his purchase? Put it in this context. If you were reading about a foreign country that was trying to influence American elections, that was sabotaging political leaders, was, you know, clearly putting the thumb on the scale to its preferred um, people, and it was censoring freedom of thought. You think, oh, yeah, that's China, that's Russia. But it turns out that the evidence is now that, as Elon Musk is revealing, not only was it Twitter and social media, but it was the Department of Justice. And I think it's pretty stunning. You know, it's worth taking a step back and thinking, wait a minute. So we have a Department of Justice, an FBI, who was working with social media and the Democrat media press to basically censor um, conservative voices, to sabotage Republican candidates, and to throw an election. Yeah. It's pretty serious stuff, and I think that's what Elon Musk has the ability to do, is to reveal all of that. Now, well, maybe the American people don't care. I kind of think they do. I don't think the New York Times cares. But I do think the American people were pretty. Well, you know, it's interesting about that, because when he released the Twitter files last week and the uh, reporter whose name is slipping my mind at this moment uh, did kind of. Yes. And he does kind of the deep dive explanations of all of it. The reactions on Twitter were, well, don't you know that that was Trump's Justice Department? Oh, that was under Trump's watch because he was still president then. And I'm like, do any of you have any memory or recollection at all as to how the Justice Department worked uh, during the Trump years? It wasn't exactly a part of the, you know, a whole cloth administration working together for the goals of the administration. Yeah, in fact, it was working against the goals of the administration. Um to me, the, the biggest sort of story of this, if you, if you look back from the bigger perspective, the biggest problem in America right now is, is the political division and all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the fact that we now are in a situation where the government, the permanent establishment government, is has basically said to the American people, look, you just do what we're telling you to do. And we right. have, you're not smart enough to govern yourself. That was what the whole Russia investigation was, right? It was the Justice Department. And other sort of the Washington establishment saying to the American people, look, you voted for the wrong guy in 2016. We know better so, than you. We know better than you. So just be quiet, come, fall in line, and we're going to sabotage this guy that you made the mistake of voting for. Maybe, look, maybe the American people vote for a wrong presidential candidate or a wrong senator or a wrong congressman. That's what democracies are all about. It gives you the right and the responsibility to next time around change. It is not up to a bunch of self-appointed, self-selected, Holier than now, arrogant elites to say we know better than the American people. This is just not quite smart enough, and well, it's not coming to the right conclusion. So we're going to do it for them. Which makes it hilarious when Elizabeth Warren comes out and says, "I don't think one man like Elon Musk should have the the, the right to say who gets to speak and who doesn't," as if the 
five people that were running Twitter before him were any better at deciding who got to be censored and who didn't. And in fact, he continues to demonstrate transparency in pulling up these things and, and putting them out there. And I, it, along those lines, KT, because, and I think this is a much more important issue than what the people realize. The laptop suppression, the laptop story suppression, didn't just suppress bad behavior about Hunter Biden and his possible sexual liaisons with his you know, niece or uh, prostitutes or uh, you know, all the kind of the tawdry things that it included. It didn't just put him in criminal jeopardy for crimes that he perhaps was associated with, but there were national security and presidential criminal activity from his father's time as the VP post VP uh, and and it should have impacted how the, the the voters were able to view him in light of that for the election in 2020 but this is a much bigger issue and while the post and the times have both come out and basically verified that they got it wrong and that the New York Post was right uh, from the beginning there's nothing being done about it and Twitter is kind of the smoking gun to say hey we we, we we told all of you guys and and yeah we we squelched it and all the rest of it but shouldn't there be more uh legit prosecution of what's going of what of the criminality contained on that laptop than what has been to date so far here's my worry is that i do believe that the um, various congressional committees oversight committee judicial judiciary committee etc in the house are going to look into this and i do think that they'll come up with some pretty stunning revelations now what happens next well, in a normal political environment, they would be able to say, look, Justice Department, we're Congress. We can't charge individuals or companies with crimes, but you can. So that they would refer to the Justice Department and say, Justice Department, here's the evidence we've uncovered of real malfeasance, I mean, potentially, frankly, even treason, right? And, and we think that you should prosecute these individuals for what they were doing to try to subvert the election. And then it's up to the Biden administration, Justice Department, to basically charge its own people with malfeasance. And I, I don't see that happening. So I think that the worrisome thing I have is, okay, I think the crimes are there. I, and I do believe that they will be revealed, perhaps not reported on in the New York Times, but they will be revealed. But then Washington is going to say, ah, who cares, you know, in your face. And and the example I point to and, and the evidence of sort of why I'm, I'm coming to this horrible conclusion is that look at Hunter Biden. I mean, he's caught red-handed. Yeah. And yet, where has he been in the last couple of weeks? In your face. Um, going to White House events, being celebrated, being hugged and cheered as, as if he's, you know, it's, it's he doesn't even have to hide in shame. He's just sort of right there in plain face. And that I find really pretty appalling. Well, and if that's in fact the case with him, who is the big guy and what did the 10% consist of and how many deals did that take place with and beyond even the corruption KT the cooperation with um, Russia the cooperation with China the cooperation with um, the more criminal elements in Ukraine the cooperation with Iran there, there are things on that laptop that I think implicate a, a, a national security crisis and should be dealt with from a very sober position. I couldn't agree more. My worry is that it will not be, that Congress will uncover the kinds of things you're referring to, but that when it comes to prosecuting people or holding people accountable, 
that the Biden administration, Justice Department, that you know, permanent Washington establishment never holds its own accountable for anything. Well, and that's why we've got to speak louder and communicate even more effectively, which you always do when you're with us, Katie McFarland. Thank you for being here. Honor and a pleasure, Kevin. All right. Kevin McCullough, coming right back. Don't go away. Back to Radio Night Live. Here's Kevin McCullough. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us and uh, glad to welcome back Bethany Mandel. I don't think we got to speak to her last week, um, but uh, glad to have her back on the show uh, today. And uh, Bethany, the um, most recent piece of your, one of the more recent pieces of yours that ran in The Spectator, um, deals with something, you, you put forward an interesting premise in the title, that falsehoods about abortion put lives at risk. Some people would say, no, duh, an abortion kills a baby every time. <laughs> but you're talking about the lives of the mothers. Uh, yeah. This has been a theory that has gone around. There have been theories about this for a long time, breast cancer and some other associated uh, conditions. What What are you actually taking aim at here? And what do, our, what do my listeners need to know? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually was contacted by a doctor, a friend of mine, and she said, this is something you need to look into because I'm hearing from women across the political spectrum, across the socio socioeconomic spectrum, and they just don't understand what this Dobbs decision means for their health. And so they're coming into her office afraid that they are not going to be provided with life-saving care in the event of an ectopic pregnancy, um, or other sort of life-threatening conditions when that's just not it's not the reality right they're all they've always I mean in Texas they've always been afforded life-saving care since abortion was made illegal there and that's not going to change with jobs nationwide uh, but liberals have decided to try to scare the bejesus out of women and have told them that they're going to die um, they, abortion is healthcare, and if they, if abortion isn't legal, then they die. And it's panicking women, and it's affecting their care, and it's become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy where doctors are hearing that they're not allowed to provide life-saving care, and so they are not providing life-saving care because they have a misunderstanding themselves of of the law. And Wait, so, doctors are actually doing that. Yes. Yes. Uh, I spoke to a doctor. Well, shame, shame on the doctors for being that ill-informed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you would think that if you're a practitioner of medicine, you'd at least be up to date on what the law says about your practice. You'd think, right? So I spoke to a doctor in Michigan, and the weekend that Dobbs landed, they had a, a patient come into their OR, into their ER, sorry, and she had a suspected ectopic pregnancy, and. Um, and the, even the higher ups said, we don't really know because now we're operating under a 1931 law that outlawed abortion. And so let's just not provide her care until we figure it out and we talk to our lawyers. And there was a doctor in the ER that said, that's absurd. I'm administering care because to not do so is malpractice. Um, but they had to go against the higher ups at the hospital to do so. Um, and there's there's stories like that going around where whether it's ignorance or honestly political malice, there are doctors who are not providing care that they are legally not just entitled to provide, but 
morally required to to provide. Yeah. Well, it's you know, if people have seen the film Sophie's Choice, it's any time that the life of the mother or the child is in is a question, um, it is a, a sad and disheartening thing. I think one of the things that people also need to understand is that these things happen on a very low percentage basis, you know, as compared to healthy pregnancies. And so we're not talking about. So without any further ado, here's a sneak peek at Wing Feather Saga. This is this is something that even even if it was the worst case scenario uh, impacts a very, very small amount of people. But the very minimum should be that doctors know the truth and that they're telling their patients the truth. Yeah, yeah, and they're not. And and I spoke to another doctor who has been working at a at a pro-life Catholic hospital and they have never provided abortions. He's been operating under basically DAS for a very long time. And um and he was at a conference among other doctors who said, "Well, we we don't know how to provide care." And he raised his hand and said, "I can tell you. I've been doing it." And he said, anyone who's actually concerned and, and doesn't know, come to me after this speech and I am happy to walk you through how I provide care. No one came up to him. Hmm. And later on in the conference, the same conversation came up and that that doctor sort of gave up the game and said, well, I mean, it's not impossible to know what we're allowed to do and not to do, but um, but abortion is health care and we don't want to let go of that talking point. And so even sort of they're admitting that they know how to provide care, even under a sort of tough circumstances, this new reality yeah. where abortion isn't legal. But that doesn't mean that they can't provide life saving care. Well, it's always interesting to get Bethany Mandel on the case when someone tips her off to look into something because she always gets the facts straight. Bethany, appreciate it uh, and appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much, Kevin. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Don't go away. Once again, Kevin McCullough. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Uh, this week, I saw a headline that um, disturbed me to no end, and it has to do with a toy that my daughter easily could have gotten into uh, by now. She has not. She will not be beyond this. But if you're familiar with the um, girl, the, the the doll brand, the American Girl, uh, there is a bit of controversy, and here to discuss is the Independent Women's Forum's own Kelsey Bowler, a mom herself of young ladies. Uh, and Kelsey, th this is this is you know, you don't get much more apple pie <laughs> than American Girl. And you know they had a big flagship store here in Manhattan. People would make uh, you know bucket list trips to the city to come go to that store. Um, but they have really turned on the woke as of late. What what's the latest? Yeah, this is really upsetting for those of us who grew up around the American Girl doll tradition and hope to pass that on to our own daughters one day. Um, what happened is American Girl publishes a series of how-to guides. They call them the Smart Girls Guide. And in their Smart Girls Guide to Body Image, American Girl offers children ages 10 and up 
ideas on how to socially and medically transition with the help of trusted adults. Um, and it even suggests, gives resources to young girls on how to pursue these transitions in secret behind their parents' back. There's a quote from controversial transgender activist Jazz Jennings, and of course, there's no mention of the risks or downsides hmm. of pursuing these medical treatments, so-called treatments. Um, and so this book, rightly so, is causing a lot of outrage amongst parents because this is a company uh, that was founded on American values, teach children about American history, educated them, entertained them, and had a very good reputation of being a wholesome company. Uh, over the past um, you know, couple years, they, they were bought out by retail giant Mattel. Um, and no surprise, they've become more woke in that process. Uh, but I think this book was really a bridge too far for many parents mm -hmm. because what American Girl is doing here is wading into um, wading into a medical issue to very young girls, girls as young as 10 years old. And it is pretending as though the information that it's giving is at minimum non-harmful, but they would believe that it's actually accurate and beneficial. And Kelsey, the more medical professionals that I speak to about this issue, I mean, Dr. Mark Siegel was on my medical night a couple of nights ago, and he he is beside himself with what these um, what what the administration and what this agenda is doing to children's medicine across the the, uh, the country because you, you've got medical experts supposedly. Um, saying that this is what's best for kids and the the data is far from that and puberty blockers and other things are showing negative impact on uh, some of the children's health not to mention all the stuff that we're finding out now and people that are detransitioning you've documented a, a good deal of that in your uh, documentary identity crisis but this is bad medicine and they're putting it in there. It's not just a, it's not just a moral issue for, you know, Bible thumping fuddy duddies. This is bad stuff for kids. And yet they're pushing it through this channel. You're right. These are experimental treatments for children. Uh, we don't yet have conclusive studies in the United States. There's one uh, that's supposed to be coming out from the NIH. But of course, uh, that keeps that release keeps getting delayed. But what we do know is that from many European countries, they are ending the use of puberty blockers in children who are experiencing gender dysphoria due to the long-term risks and a lack of evidence that puberty blockers actually help these children. In many cases, they're finding that puberty blockers are causing more harm. And it's also, um, you know, important what you pointed out about the stories of detransitioners who are so often blacklisted from the establishment media. They are firsthand evidence of the real life harms that right. come with these drugs and surgeries. I most recently interviewed a young girl named Prisha Mosley, who, uh, you know, went all the way down um, the transgender path to actually get a double mastectomy and she um, faces very traumatic lifelong um, 
complications from what she, what doctors and mental health professionals allowed her to do to her body when she was suffering from well-documented cases of mental illness. And, you know, among those are topics that are very difficult to talk about with young teenagers, let alone children as young as 10 years old, who this book is marketed to. Um, This is a girl who suffers from vaginal atrophy and dryness, uh, which not only makes intercourse painful from her, but also leads to distressing urinary symptoms. She doesn't know if she'll ever be able to conceive her own children because of years of testosterone. So these are very serious complications that have a high risk of occurring if children pursue puberty blockers and for American girls who so callously suggest young girls go down this path and perhaps go down this path behind their parents backs is just reckless it's a complete betrayal by a company that so many of us grew up loving and trusting well you know the um in Europe, they have had a reversal uh, in the public health standpoint on this. And I know that our administration is not interested in reversing course on what it has said publicly. But I have to think that as more of this medical evidence comes forward, that we're, we're going to have to do something like that here as well for the welfare of children. I mean, and, and this kind of goes to the point you and I have talked about a lot. It doesn't seem like the left cares about children, not, not, what, not what is actually good for them. They seem to use children as pawns to an end, uh, you know, they're, they're, they use them for their debate about uh, abortion. They use them for debate about uh, the, the, this agenda. They use them to say certain things should happen in the educational arena. They're always pawns that are that are used by the left for certain outcomes. But in terms of the welfare of the child itself, it just seems like they just don't care about them. Well, what's so disgusting to see is that these major corporations are profiting from this indoctrination yeah. from preying off of young vulnerable children you know we we saw this from valencia not long ago we've seen disney overstep its bounds and, and engage in political fights against parents and you know now american girl well said kelsey bowler always appreciate your insights thanks for being with us thank you Once again, from New York, here's Radio Night Live. Once again, the piano guys.
pum pum the angel medley from the piano guys rounding out tonight's full edition of radio night live kevin mccullough saying join us next week our christmas special airing just for you on december the 17th be looking for that one week from tonight right back here and big news coming about uh, the show and what we're going to do going forward very soon be watching for that as well kevin mccullough have a great week